I'm your co-host, Adrian. I'm Thomas. And I'm Zach with special guest, Shabba. Shabba's here. Hey. <clears throat> fitting another one in. Yes. <laughs> We're not bad enough about talking over each other, so we can go thought we needed a fourth person to sort of add to the chaos. And we record with Discord, so it's a very Brady Bunch moment right now. I feel like we should all be looking at each other uh, at different angles. Uh, <laughs> except two so of us are in the same place. Yeah, I need to be in another window so that I can actually be the fourth. Ow. It would make it an even spread, which would be nice. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah, uneven yeah, yeah. right now. See, now all, all I think right. is it's a Brady Bunch movie from the 90s. Yes. Not a lot of people so, saw that, but it is a very stupid and fun movie. <laughs> I, like I, I don't believe a lot of people did see movie. it. Which yeah. one did they get cursed by a tiki idol? That's one or two. And it might be two. We have puppy joining us. Oh, <laughs> well, hello, sweetie. How you doing? And Sylvie has joined the feed. Yeah, Sylvie's so joined the chat. For all the listeners who hear me talk about my personal game, Shabba is the DM for that game. He's a very good DM. We have a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Um. So, but. Anytime we're talking about how my game is going, Shabba's the one running that, in case anyone's curious. And we can't say anything too bad about him, because it turns out he listens. Yeah. <laughs> and he's also here right now, so don't be mean. I am never intending to be mean. So. I feel like I can take it, but that's probably <laughs> a lie. <laughs> Your camera goes off, and all we hear is weak, weak sobbing on the microphone. <laughs> it's just going to be good. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you don't like my chase scenes. We'll, we'll see what you like next here. I, I thought the chase scene was exactly how it should have been. There were other people who wanted to be able to chase a fucking dragon. I was like, this is ridiculous. We can't chase a fucking I, flying I, dragon, guys. I just, I'm just messing with yeah. you. I know. I, it's I tried something. It, it worked kind fine. of it, it it worked the way it was probably supposed to work. It did. We um, were chasing a dragon. Like they're hard to catch. It's fine. Yeah. If dragon slaying was easy, everyone would do it. Right. Yes. Well, so speaking of large flying beasts, how about we uh jump into the monster we got today? Yeah, what page are we on? Beautiful we are in subway. the monster. Man. It was until you pointed it out. Jeez. I was going to say rocks fall and everybody dies, and then you could bring in the monster, but you know what? Well, probably. That Cut probably. you off at the pass. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With a rock to your skull. <laughs> With a rock. So, yes. Monster Manual, page 260, 260. We're looking at the rock, and that's ROC, no K in this USA. No, Dwayne. Because it is Johnson. not okay. Is that just okay? A, just a big-ass bird. Just ROC. All right. So, The Rock. Or, I, that's probably copyrighted or something. I don't know. Rock. <laughs> At first sight, a rock silhouette looks much like any other bird of prey. As it descends, however, its unearthly size becomes terrifyingly clear. In flight, a rock's wingspan spreads 200 feet or more. Holy shit, that's a big bird. Like, I did not read this, guys, but when I picked it out, I was just like, hey, we haven't done this bird yet, let's do it. At rest, perched upon the mountain peaks that are its home, this monstrous bird rivals the oldest dragons in size. So there you go. My, you know, comparison to a dragon was not far off. Sky Titans. In the ancient days, when giants battled dragons for control of the world, Anum, the father of the giant gods, created the rocks so that his worshippers might challenge the dragon's dominance of the air. When the war ended, the rocks were freed from giant domination and spread throughout the world. 
Though cloud giants and storm giants sometimes tame these great birds, rocks treat even giants as potential prey. They fly great distances in search of food, soaring high above the clouds to reach their favored hunting grounds. A rock seldom hunts swift or small creatures, and it ignores towns and forests where prey can easily take cover. When it locates a large and slow-moving target such as a giant, a whale, or an elephant, a rock dives down to snatch its prey in its massive talons. Sorry, this thing is wild. I'm sitting over here giggling. I, I did not like, know how cool this giant bird I picked was going to be. I feel like there couldn't be that many of them because, like, the carrying capacity seems kind of low on these guys. Yeah. The, the, There's only so many whales. They're and... going to hunt the giants to extinction. <laughs> right. Rock. Gargantuan monstrosity. I had no idea how no idea how big it was. Yeah, no. We'll we'll get to the the stack block, but now, also I want to know if these are pronounced rokes because that's more fun than rocks. I believe it is actually rock. It's probably has something to do with the like giants uh, and rock and. I think I think it's I think it's an old uh, I think it comes from like a myth. I'm not sure oh. which country. I, I believe that. They should really put phonetics on these things. They really... Mm, mm, that next, would go down next real version. Yeah. We need, what is it? One D&D coming out? Phonetics. Phonetics on the names of... Names. I don't know if they're releasing a new monster manual for One D&D. What was the... They just released a new monster manual type thing, didn't they? And they didn't... They still didn't put phonetics, did they? No. Damn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, remote and alone. Uh, rocks are solitary creatures that can live for centuries. Excuse me. They're layer in, they layer in nests made from trees, tents, broken ships, and the remains of caravans they carry off, placing these massive tangles in mountain clefts out of the reach of lesser creatures. Sometimes a rock's nest contains treasures from the caravans or ships they raid, but these creatures are heedless of such baubles. More rarely, a nest holds eggs that are taller than a human, produced by the rock's infrequent mating. They don't right. get it on very often. They're right, isolated. They're birds. I wonder if they, like, murder each other. Oof. Probably. It doesn't Probably say anything fight. about that. If they like each other, if they're solitary. You can give them, like, spider personalities with the larger females just eat the smaller males. Cool. Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know. I'm in a weird. If Thomas goes again. missing, we all know why. Yeah. Adrian ate us. him. Eight. We just came from a Pride Festival, and I'm feeling very feminist at the moment because <laughs> there was a lot of feminist shit at the Pride Festival. Unsurprisingly, I'm I don't. Like, I think the point of on. Pride is not to call it feminist shit. But what do I? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I... That was, a. Uh, uh, no, there were literally things that were, like, feminist AF, like... <laughs> um, listen, she can call it whatever she wants to. Yeah. That's true. We're, who yeah. am I to say? As, as the only female voice representing all of this group... You need to make friends, I'm sorry. We have plenty... Of, I have friends. Okay. <clears throat> they play D&D with me. There you go. Uh, stat block. Gargantuan monstrosity unaligned... Um, an armor class of 15, natural armor, hit points of 248 or 16d20 plus 80. Okay, so not that hard to hit, but lots of hit points. Yeah. Guess uh, that kind of makes sense. Speed of 20 feet and a flying speed of 120 feet. That all tracks. 
Uh, strength uh, 28, a dex of 10, a con of 20, an intelligence of 3, a wisdom of 10, and a charisma of 9. Okay, so these things are dumb as hell. Very dumb. Well, giants ride them, so... Uh, yeah, but they're not even, like, smart enough to have, like, language or anything. No, no, no languages. No languages. Need a, there. need a 4 or uh, higher so- for language. Yeah, yeah, saving throws is a dex plus four, a con plus nine, a wisdom plus four, and a charisma plus three. Uh, skills, they have perception plus four. Um, senses, a passive perception of 14. No languages, and they are a challenge rating of 11. Wow. Now put a giant on the back and make it harder. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's already so hard to fight flying things, right? It is. I mean, that's why the giants made them. They're just like, crap, we need a taxi to the sky. Better make a giant bird that can haul our asses to the sky. Yeah. My paladin can't really do shit about flying things. Like, every now and then I throw a javelin, but, like, I'm not good about it. Whenever things are in the sky, I'm like, well, fuck, I'm a really short paladin. What am I going to do about this thing? I mean, you can jump, like, 26 feet oh yeah now? i have those fancy ass boots now which we covered in some episode past and i don't oh, have the like spreadsheet handy, so I can't see. uh but i can jump really high i always forget that i can jump high i'm just excited to be able to go the same speed as some of the party <laughs> your little legs i would never know what that feels like except when i was like six so. uh, Alma- yeah, yeah, yeah. almera actually jumped onto a roof to fight the dragon initially Oh, I did. I forgot. That was fun. Because I realized, I was like, oh yeah, it was right after we recorded the episode with the boots. I was like, oh yeah, I can jump fucking high. So I can like jump on a roof and try to kill this, hit this fucking dragon. Well, I'm... you're not uh, uh, sneaking up on this bird no. <laughs> with a little jump. Because uh, uh, he's got keen sight. The rock has advantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight. Okay. Uh, so he sees shit. He sees, I mean, he is a bird of prey, so... That would make sense. Yeah, do dragons typically have that? Uh, uh, I believe you guys so. Co- you guys covered dragons a long time ago, so I don't remember. Yeah, a long time ago. I don't remember either. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most dragons do, because I think I use that on you guys. Yeah, that makes sense. That's because I Shaba yeah. recently used a dragon, so you might know. Yeah. Um, I might. I don't. Do I have a stack of the books next to me? Yes. Am I going to unstack them because there's currently a pile of socks on them? No. Why are there socks on top of your books? Because I was just like, wow, I really need to pair these socks together. And then it's like, ooh, television. And I got distracted. Wait, did you guys not cover dragons? I see dragon turtles. That's not a dragon. Says dragon. (laughs) It technically does have a breath weapon. It just can't fly. Its breath weapon is steam. Which is honestly kind of terrifying. Guys, we've done a fairy dragon. we got to cover dragons sometime. And there's so many variants to cover. There's so many sizes. There's so many different things. I have. We did fairy dragon and dragon turtle. And at some point, oh, we did dragon drops. Dragon drops? That sounds like dragon shit. I don't know. You guys covered it in episode 33 33 before we were on board, so. I don't, I don't remember. This. this is episode 63. <laughs> I can't be held responsible for this. But right, I do fair, have fair. Uh, Fizzban's Treasury of Dragons, so we can do some <laughs> new dragons from that book. Ooh, we'll have to do that. All right, Thomas, tell us what this actions this thing can take. All right. It's got multi-attack, 
The rock makes two attacks, one with its beak and one with its talons. The beak is a melee weapon attack, a plus 13 to hit, Oof. a reach of 10 feet, one target, hits uh, for 4d8 plus 9 piercing damage. The And that's the beak. That's brutal. The talons is a melee weapon attack, a plus 13 to hit, a reach of 5 feet, one target. On a hit, it does 4d6 plus 9 slashing damage, and the target is grappled with an escape DC of 19. Until this grapple ends, the target is restrained, and the rock can't use its talons on another target. Hmm. So, that's, that wraps it up for the rock. He's, a uh, he's simple, but large. Yeah. So now we got two people to tell us how they would, uh, employ these bad boys in battle. Who wants to go first? Uh, take it away, Zach. It's your podcast. <laughs> uh, We're so... Story-wise, I can see this being more of a an odd encounter to have with the players. Like, unless they're actively climbing a mountain to go do this, maybe they'll, like, fetch me an egg, which would be very difficult because I'm assuming these things are huge. Uh, but in terms of, like, bringing it into a story, this would be a really cool, like, there's a giant at the top of a mountain and they have a rock bird companion and you just have to talk to them. They're ancient. They survived the wars. This would be a great conversation starter with them. Hopefully you don't have to fight them because you'd be screwed with a CR-11 um, rock. And I think giants are around 12 or 13 at that size for Storm and um, the other one. Cloud. That's the other one. They're both in the sky. Uh, but I think it would be... It would be very challenging for sure for a lower level party. I think it would be good to kind of hint at it that they're getting closer or like maybe they're entering a giant's realm and the rock is flying over. I don't see this attacking villages or small prey. I don't think that's going to be something for fun, though. If you want to scare the shit out of the party, have them fighting a mammoth or something or like an elephant or a large animal and then have this thing just steal it from them. Oh, that would be so good. I love it. Uh, it would be very funny if they were like, hey, you've been on this hunting quest. There's this elephant that's terrorizing our small little encampment. We need you to kill it. And you do. And as soon as you're about to claim your prize by cutting off something to show that you've actually murdered the elephant, a rock snatches it from the ground and flies off with it. So then the party would have to go to the rock's nest and claim something from it to show that they actually killed the elephant. So then it becomes a stealth uh, mission of climbing the mountain and scaling it up yeah, to see if they can get that, to it. That's where my mind went, would be like, well, so it didn't attack towns, but it said like sometimes its nest is made out of like ships that it gr- grabbed. Yeah. Up. It was like, oh, it grabbed a ship and somebody didn't escape the ship and they you your party gets tasked with getting that person back from the rock's nest. Oh, that's very fun. Or if something was in a caravan bag yeah. and they're like, oh, this got stolen and I really needed this. Fancy ass, whatever unique yeah. relic. Now you gotta go find. Don't the rock fight nest. it, but go <clears throat> rob its yeah. nest. Very much a fetch quest type situation, I think, but a very good one where you could hide into it. Otherwise, it's it's pretty straightforward when it comes to attacking. Uh, I mean, it's a beacon talons, right? And it can hold. Uh, the only other yeah. recommendation I have is you're a giant flying bird. You don't land on the ground when you're slower. You are a bird of prey. You swoop. Um, I really like to remember the Falcon Punch scene if y'all ever seen not from captain falcon but there is a video of because falcons actually do punch they fly in at high speed and then they hit creatures to um 
kind of knock them out a little bit and then they have a meal and they generally punch things larger than them so um look up falcon punches duck in your free time sorry to the duck uh but i was thinking about that but on another related thing i think it would be good to recommend the spell earthbind um i know sorry no paladin can use it but druids sorcerers warlocks and wizards can on on the idea of a fetch quest Ooh. i had the idea uh while you were as we're talking there is uh, rock feathers themselves would likely be used in making of uh, weapons and armament that have to do with flying equipment. Ooh, that's very fun. And yeah. having to having to get a specific item for my rock would be a difficult endeavor on its own. Yeah. Or especially if you have to get it off the live rock. Well, you probably have to get it undamaged, so you have to right. get a, a specific one. There's also, if you don't want to kill a beast that's basically not doing anything to you, which someone in our group may be, <laughs> Emily, if she, if you're listening, <laughs> might not be want to kill a rock for no reason. Yeah. Uh, you Emily sounds the, uh, like a druid. Emily, Emily is, is a druid. <laughs> Emily is a druid. So weird. Yeah. Um, you could do the uh, the old rescuers rescuers down under too. Ooh, in yeah. which you're trying to save the rock from the nasty giant hunters or hunting giants. That's oh man, yeah. that's a deep pool there. I feel yeah. Like. Well, and, unless mess. you are like a giant or a care or like guarding a caravan or something, this thing has no reason to attack you unless it's looking like it's not going to attack a normal party. Um, even when it's like hunting, unless they're like accompanying a caravan or. For some reason, someone's mounted on a fucking elephant or something. Like, I feel like this is a thing you either see off in the distance or you have to be tasked to search it out for some reason, like you guys have described. Like, there's no reason this thing is going to attack you unprovoked, yeah. I feel like. Or, you know, Unless you're you in be, territory. Like, you stumble I was going to say, you could be, it, your party is in the mountains and, uh, oops, falls ooh, over and ends up in the nest. Th there's an, yeah, that's, there's an idea. You have to get to the top of the mountain to stop the evil sorcerer from, sorcerer, oh my goodness, I butchered that. The evil sorcerer from, <laughs> from doing his dastardly spell ritual at the top of the mountain, and you have to go through a rock nest because that's the only way to get there yeah um, that's like something like oh it happens to be built in the like only path up the mountain or something yeah yeah um for a tactic of attacking <clears throat> though i would recommend if you are in its terrain in the mountain you are free ammunition to drop to the ground just remember that as a party come with feather fall because if i were a rock i'd be like grab chunk Tell grab get yeah, off my mountain Whoops, how tall is this mountain? 1d6 for every 10 feet. Bye. Yeet. Uh, oh, yeah. Zach just be murdering everybody with his rocks. Yeah. Yes, and I, I would imagine an animal that large, while this is D&D, &D, this is fantasy, it would probably be live live on the side of cliffs Yeah. so that it could easily, to, uh, yeah. easily take off. So you're already in a precarious situation. Yeah, and if yeah. it's got children, you are screwed. Oh, yeah, if you, like, happen upon a nest and it's, like, it actually has an egg in it, which is super rare. Human-sized egg? Or maybe a town of giants has tasked you to go steal an egg or something. Oh, fuck. No, thank you. Yeah, That's their own problem. I, I don't know <laughs> if it's a uh, 
if it's a plot on its own, but it's definitely a good side plot. Oh yeah, this is definitely not an encounter unless the cloud giant or whatever is your final fight or somebody you have to speak to. I don't see this as being a... This would be terrifying if you were like a monster hunter group. That would be really interesting. Uh, It's really how you want to plug it into the game. Speaking of plugging, should we rock and roll to the item? Yeah. Got it in. Got it in. (laughs) <laughs> I hear you had these planned, and you gotta stick them in there somewhere. Yeah. That's how that's how Thomas is with his puns too. Oh come on, stick it in with whatever okay. stick. Item. Okay, we'll see. It goes. Our item is sovereign blue stick. <laughs> yes, thank you for explaining thank your you. pun. Yes, you're welcome. And no one was gonna get it without you explaining Correct. it. Correct. <laughs> next level. Pun All right. right. The Sovereign Glue is a wondrous item, and it is legendary, so not too many of these bad boys around. Uh, this viscous, milky white substance. Hmm. You got something to say about that? Nope. Okay. Can she form is. a permanent... <laughs> yes. Semen. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas won't say it. I'm not afraid to say it. Ejaculate. Come as you are with this oh, item. Oh, God, please stop. This viscous, multi-eye substance <laughs> can form a permanent adhesive bond between any two objects. Penis and vagina. If your cum can do that, you might need to go see a doctor. Yeah, don't don't get yourself in trouble. This is not a lubricant, guys. <laughs> don't uh, switch up the bottles. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> All right, so it forms a permanent bond between any two objects. It must be stored in a jar or flask that has been coated inside with oil of slipperiness, which probably could be used as a lubricant. Uh, when found, a container contains 1d6 plus 1 ounces. Uh, one ounce of glue can cover one square foot surface. The glue takes one minute to set. Once it has done so, the bond it creates can only be broken by the application of a universal solvent or oil of etherealness or a wish spell. You so, mean I have to hold it in place for a whole minute? You gotta hold two things in place for a whole minute, but once you do, they ain't coming apart until you get one of these three very specific things. Or two things plus a, or a wish spell. So, uh, use with caution. Uh, but glue together whatever the fuck you like. Alright, how are we abusing this this week? The horny this bard. Are- oh, I have yeah, the horny bard. so many mean <laughs> pranks for the horny bard. Okay, so instead of oil of slipperiness or lubricant, you shove this in it instead. And let's assume they're pumping for about a minute. Oh god. Would that count? I'm gonna say I as the know. DM, I would say yes, but I will as say... You make the rules as the DM. I would say there's a constitution saving role to at least make sure that they can maintain everything for a minute. So your prank fails if the bard <laughs> can't keep it up. But if the bard is constantly like, I'm fucking everything that w- moves, then sovereign gloop. Are you giving the bard a perception check to realize this is happening? Uh, They should know the lubricant is weird and also jizz colored. Uh, but hopefully, um, I don't know. It'd be in the moment. It'd be our passive perception check. I would say. Okay. Okay. And I would definitely relabel the bottle as something like the lubiest lube or whatever. 
uh, water-based lube. I don't know, but I think seems it seems like a good use of this very rare, wondrous. legendary, wondrous item. It's got multiple applications, but I think it would be hilarious if um, the bard had to call for the party's help because he's got his junk stuck in someone else's business. Uh, and they could not remove it without a magical spell of ninth level or um, other magic item. This would also be hilarious if the tavern owner is like, wow, this bard never stops carousing and causing problems in my tavern. I'm going to do this, but that oil of slipperiness is going to cost him an arm and a leg <laughs> and a that, penis, that maybe. Is, it is very good for a merchant to have both and be like, all right, I sold you this one, yep. and now you're going to pay a shit ton to get this other thing. Exactly. Uh, that's how I would yeah. abuse it. Otherwise, um, I, I know Otherwise, I've... Otherwise, you really only need half an ounce. So, yeah. I uh, guess depending on size. Uh, I don't know. What is the square footage of a normal penis, guys? Not a measurement I've taken. I don't know. Uh, we could assume <laughs> it's a cylinder, I guess. Some actual applications for this. If you wanted to uh, lock someone in a room... They can't uh, lockpick something that has been glued shut by this. They could break the door down unless it's steel. <clears throat> I mean, uh, yeah, I assume or they... like glue a rock over a like cavern to like make a makeshift prison or something. Right, you could do a lot of things with that. Um, you could glue a sword into your hand so that you can't be disarmed if yeah. you're having trouble dropping things. Oh, but if oh, I just imagine it ripping skin off. This is some real Edwards forty. Situation happening too. <laughs> uh, you could glue up a backpack that keeps getting cut open. Oh hush. <laughs> so we use critical fail cards in in our game, and uh, Armira, my paladin, has ripped her back open quite a few times because one of my dice hates me. Mm. I quit using that dice, and I haven't ripped my bag open since. But also, I think we've leveled up our crit fail cards or worse consequences. Then ripping your bags open. Also, I have a bag of holding now, so let's hope I don't rip that shit open. I don't think you're the one wearing it. Actually, I, wait. I am wearing it. Oh, you are wearing for it. For reasons. For reasons, yes. The story reasons, which uh, we haven't got into too much yet because everyone's been busy. But yes. hopefully tomorrow we can tomorrow. do a little bit of that. Yeah, we need to deal with reasons. All right. <laughs> not after we got out. We got into some personal game game details. Yes, it's our personal game is very fun. Okay. Yeah. I try to make it player driven, yeah. if possible. Yes. Well, and I just feel like there are fun backs. Like at least, at least the backstory that this has to deal with is very fun, and I like it. So that's good. All right. Wait. All right. Any more comments on the sovereign glue? This is a very powerful, as dumb as we've been about it, this is actually a very powerful item to glue any two things together. Yeah. It has a lot of applications. That I can recall, I've not used this that I can remember, but I do know it was used in, I think, Critical Role Campaign 2. Uh, one of the characters uh, put some on a, uh, a trophy type item, a golden trophy. And they were supposed to throw it into a volcano, but the person was really rude to them, and so they could never give their sacrifice away. So they weren't true believers in their god. Uh, but yeah, they glued it to her hand. 
All right, that sounds like a very critical role thing. I haven't listened to that season yet. It was Jester, who was the trickster cleric, and I believe not. I can't remember if they transformed yet. All right, spoilers. It's been <laughs> years. Post, post spoilers. Okay. Yeah. All right, so we got two DMs this week. What is our DM tip? Extra tippy. Getting extra tippy with our DM tips. What are we talking about this week? I really want to we make talk- a double penetration joke, but I'm gonna keep myself. <laughs> uh-huh. Just make your jokes. We're gonna hit. We're gonna hit world building from both sides. All right. <laughs> Spit roast world building. Oh, okay. Just the tips. <clears throat> wow. Just, just all the tips times two. Double it's a double Zach, tip. Zach hates himself for saying that. I can see it. I do. <laughs> Your family doesn't listen to this, do they, Zach? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. But I think Your they've mom heard a is few. Gonna have words. Nah, she'll have to Google those. Um, <laughs> all right, so go ahead, kick it off. As special guest, give us your your best world building tip. Because I'll be honest, all I right. pull mine out of my ass. So my my world building is usually. Uh, starts with a, a concept, and the concept is, uh, what is this area like? What's the history of this area? And the tip itself is steal from history. It is super filled with crazy things that you will literally not believe actually happened. And probably some of them haven't actually happened. They've, I'm sure they've been embellished a little bit. <laughs> you know, Bible. And... <laughs> You can cut that if you want. No. No. Oh, okay. That's, I mean, I don't care. We um, plenty of Bible bashing here. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, you can. So let me let me back up a little bit. Uh, so my the continent that my players are in is a ruin from a previous large empire that lasted a long time. So it's basically the fall of the Roman Empire. Combine that with the pre- the monarch of which was an immortal king, because some kings have been known to be considered immortal because they live like 100 years. But what if they live like 3,000 years? How would they sustain power? How would that change the political dynamics within the, the, uh, the principalities and countries or areas within their kingdom? And what happens when it all falls apart? Yeah, no. So, you know, you you dip into history, and we've been dipping here lately a lot into having the book recommendations, and and they've all been uh, 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 fiction, you know, fiction books. But like, there's definitely multiple uh, examples that I've given recently have been so Mistborn. Um, part of that takes place. Part of that trilogy takes place after a, a fall of a leader that's been you know, immortal. And so does uh, uh, S- Storm and Shadow, the one we recommended last time, last episode. There's a there's a bunch of like, yeah, oh this this leader is immortal. Oh, they're gone. Now what happens yeah. to the world? Well, and it's very fun because like we're also planning, or at least Chavez mentioned that there's going to be a sort of prequel campaign at some point, which I'm like very excited about and getting to like. And this is something Critical Role does a lot, too, is that you sort of get these, like, prequel or flashback sort of short campaigns that are very fun and are 
um, you know, contribute to the world building and lets the players get involved in the world building, which I, I think is very fun. Um, and easy for the DM because we don't have to do it. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the things that, like, I really like about your world is the moon calendars and you've got like this double moon and all of the names actually come from Latin from what I, or from you got all the names from Latin, didn't you? I believe most of my names are from Latin. Should, should I, should I go into that or is that too much detail for this? Go for it. Go for it. Whatever you want to share, man. All right. We're going really like, to get back. I really like it because the way, cause you've got two moons and like they overlap sometimes. And yeah, like, I, that, I, I need to, get yeah. my calendar because it's yeah, yeah it's a whole thing. i really i really enjoy that sort of system that you set up we don't actually do too good at tracking the calendar i think but it's it's very fun i track the calendar you track the calendar <laughs> us as players we kind of are like wait what day is it now oh we're you know i'll just i'll just go to discord because i know i post it in discord so that i <laughs> wouldn't have to look for it yes probably pinned it uh, I put it in a special. F- oh, here it is, campaign calendar. I see your dog settled down now. Don't look at her. Don't look at her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That the other thing that we do is we do manage our game in Discord, and Shaba has a specific world lore channel for mm-hmm. us that we are able to reference and sort of remind ourselves about the world that we're playing in and stuff like that, which I find really helpful. Um, to get the players incorporated into the world-building situation. Um, so there's a DM tip from a player. If you're trying to run a game and your players are struggling with the world, have a dedicated world-building uh, uh, world channel where you can remind people what they're supposed to remember about the world. Sounds like y'all need a OneNote. Oh my god, let it go. <laughs> I will never Thomas use OneNote. I love OneNote, but Thomas and I, Thomas is on a personal mission to make everyone use OneNote and no one (laughs) would take it up. Even, I even Uh, try My office all uses it now, it's great. Man, I can't get anyone in my office to use it. Uh, Shabba's calendar for my world. Found it. So, I wanted to have a, a calendar that, or a year that was based off of the lunar cycle like ours used to be. And but I didn't want to be exactly like ours because it's I want to feel slightly alien, but mechanically still be basically the same. So you didn't have to do any translation. And me being weird, I like prime numbers. So I chose 23. So I have 16 months. Each season is four months and each month is 23 days. But there's no weeks because weeks are something that we invented so they just didn't invent the week so they have a month and every 23 days in that month has its own name and it's completely based off their unicycle uh, lunar cycle excuse me <laughs> Lu- yeah, this is the, the unicycle uh, in the sky for each day so the moons luna and juno uh, one orbits west to east one orbits east to west they cross over each other. Uh, one is red and doesn't affect the tides. One is white and does affect the tides. And they have a full moon and new moon at the exact same time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
It's really fun. So, like, um, there are certain days that give magic buffs. There are certain days where it's very, very dark, which makes it a little more dangerous and superstitious to be on the road. I sort of think of it of a Friday the 13th sort of situation or a full... Like, if you ever talk to a nurse, like, new moons and Friday the 13th are always the craziest, and he sort of incorporated that sort of situation into our calendar, which I find very fun. And even the NPCs will be uh, more suspicious on certain days if you're in certain situations, which they have also ran into um, when they, Mm -hmm. you know, murdered a couple guards for no reason. We're not... Complete murder hobos. Yeah. We're a little murder, murder hobos. I, that, that was a joke. They had a reason. They just kind of overreacted to the situation. <laughs> um, Did but, we murder a necromancer for no reason? Maybe. But that's a whole thing. <laughs> that, that, w- that was my fault. We... That, wasn't, that was everybody's fault. We were just like, <laughs> the... necromancer, bad murder. Uh, it was a we... very nice necromancer. He had skeleton babies. It was a whole thing. <laughs> he he was very nice. He kept his word, and he even gave them more than he promised, and they murdered him anyway. <laughs> Jeez. Y'all are You're bad. terrible people. We did, well, we did a whole, like, is he evil thing, and like, yeah, necromancers are basically evil, so yes, and so we murdered. We were still all figuring out our shit then. It was very early in the camp. It was like my first or second session. We were I, I believe it was out. the second session. It, it yeah. was early. We, we can... That, I, I will take partial part of the blame for that, and you know what? You had stuff you wanted, so I'm not gonna fault you for it too much. We got some good um, shit off of him too. Got like a ring of protection. Yeah, he gave that to you before you murdered him. Oh yeah, he did. That was our reward. You got a magic we're, item, and you murdered him. Okay, we're a little bit murder hobos, but we've gotten better. It was early days. <laughs> They're just so horny for the murder. <laughs> Uh, oh, it was so... fun. We have lots of undead fighting stuff. It makes it fun to murder undead. It's, it's a thing. Uh, so he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to, to edit this part. Let me just finish yeah. this up because I forgot. <laughs> uh, because of the because of the math, uh, this year only comes out to three hundred and sixty eight days. So it's virtually identical to our year. So yeah. you don't have to change any anything for the long stuff, but the short stuff is different and it feels unique yes and also yeah. the year starts on the uh the spring equinox not in because that makes more sense than, than the middle the of winter yeah. nice that and that's really it you sense. don't have to do too much work to it um like i said i i stole a lot of these names for, uh half of the names for the first 10 are just the numbers for latin so Sextus for six, Octo for eight, Novum for nine, Decum for ten. Very similar. And then a lot of the other ones have names based on uh, cultural things within the uh, within the world. Yeah. That's like, really it. I, it. It didn't take me that long to make. Because Thursday is Thor's day. In real? There's not, if there's not a week. We don't, we don't have a Thursday. I'm just saying, like, that's how we got Thursday. It's Thor's day. Right. Yeah. yeah. So just pick a god or pick something historically accurate or yeah. relevant, and you got a new calendar. Yeah, yep. very easy. Uh, like our uh, the twelfth of every month, the, the double new moon, or sorry, the double full moon, is called Clara, 
It just means clear in Latin. Nice. It's the it's double moon moon. It's very bright. That's when everyone gets the magic buff. So there's a fe- there's always festivals that go on during that time. Uh, and little no matter where you are, there's, there's lots of little parties because that's considered the safe time. Your world um, must have a very large festival budget if that happens like every twelve days. <laughs> I say festival. You, you know, it's like think of a barbecue. Oh, okay. If you're. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's where all the, the shops do their their most of the selling because it's think of it it's kind of like I guess it's bright like the Saturday for the for the month because everyone's gonna be out it's safe um, no one would be working unless they're like a merchant it's that kind of thing yes I am very similar in that in that I there there are historical things that I'll take but I'll also use media from other things as well so I'm working on a spelljammer campaign right now which is a great opportunity to do a lot of weird stuff in space. Uh, the problem... They can't hear your jazz hands. Yeah, no jazz hand sounds. Uh, they were just for Zach. Thank you. I they weren't it. for the listener. I needed jazz hands or applause in ASL. Uh, so the um, it's very interesting because you're making planets and not just continents. And so I have to think about, okay, well, on this planet, yeah, you're you're moving from one body in the space to another what biomes are different from that i have one of the things i have is called tonus it is an ice spoon uh and it's called tonus because when you stand on it all the cracks and everything hum through the earth and it kind of sounds like a tuning fork uh and then i've got where uh if another planet kind of blocks the sun or the moon blocks the sun it's going to be a bit of a kind of darker day on that planet um seasons are flopped because not every planet has the same tilt like earth does so if you have no tilt, then of course all of your seasons are hot and cold as you go through the solar cycle. And so I've got a bit of that, or you could always just have a planet that's completely locked in with the sun. So one side's hot, the other side's cold and dark. And so like interesting things to do with that. I'm basing this campaign off of uh, this TV series Killjoys uh, from Sci-Fi. Uh, I don't know it, but I I love it. It's very interesting. There's like, it's essentially there was this really wealthy planet everyone started on. And from that starting point, it got overpopulated. They used all the resources. So the wealthy kicked all the poor people out. I'm very in this. Oh, as opposed opposed to the wealthy leaving and going finding others. You've got an opposite Wally situation. Yeah, an inverse Wally. And so they don't go anywhere. They're just like, we have the resources. Screw you. So the closest body to them is another planet nearby. They attack that planet and try to terraform it, uh, but they did not expect that the species that lived on there, which are plasmoids and uh, thrykine, uh, lived there and were pissed. And so they fought back and they had a battle and a war and it did not go their way. And so because of that, the technology has kind of moved to like, yeah, there are spell jammers in this area. They already existed before. But now that was the development. It's like spell jammers are a thing. We can go to space. We can explore. They went to this planet, landed in an isolated place, thought they could take off these, take these indigenous populations out, fail miserably. Because uh, it's very kind of like Viet Cong uh, guerrilla warfare. Uh, they're very good at that. And also, they're not stupid. They have technology just as much as you do, if not more advanced. And so they essentially have now isolated their entire planet. They do not let people on. They will let their own species off, but that's it. And then, so when you say spell jammers, is that 
a something like a like a radio jam, like where it it like keeps you from doing spells, or is that a like a ship? That is a ship. That is the title okay. for a. So technically, spell jamming is the use of any caster piloting a ship using a spell jamming helm. It's not yeah. super. Oh, cool. Essentially, it's so y'all have seen Treasure Planet, right? Yeah. Classic Treasure Planet, Jules Verne, Ten Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, I think. Um, but those ships are the style this game modifies after. You essentially build okay. a regular ship, shove a spell jamming helm in it, which costs like five thousand gold, and that ship treasure becomes Treasure Planet one. is based off a of treasure island. Oh yeah. What is ten thousand Oh Atlantis, I think it's ten thousand leagues under the sea. I can't remember. Maybe so. That's what yeah, I'm thinking 10, of. Ten thousand leagues under the sea is a different thing. That's right. Treasure but... Planet, Treasure Island. Whoops. I don't know if that's Jules Fern. I can't remember. It's fine. It, I don't know. At some point when I was like, I'm going to become a DM and I'm going to write my own campaign, Treasure I, uh, Treasure Planet was what I wanted to base it off of. Yep. So now that there's a spell jammer, that makes it a very, there's mechanics to find. To very easy. Yeah. All of them are listed in the book. Uh, the Astral Adventures Guide is what I'm using for it. So the, the whole plot of that now is, okay, the, you're not allowed on this planet. Don't go there. You'll get killed on sight or a ship will attack you or you have to speak to somebody to enter. There is a third planet that they've attempted to terraform, but they messed it up. And so they just killed everything on the planet. Uh, so it's a dead planet now, uh, with the exception of forcing the poor to work and mine on it because the explosions and stuff unearthed a lot of minerals for the wealthy. Uh, and then the last one is called New Genesis, which is a uh, that's where all the poor people and it has a cool name, but it's a miserable place to live. Uh, there's. Yeah, it's very much so. But the the way to to get off the planet is to take a job with the families and be a sailor, be a spell jammer, do whatever you can and run missions. That gets you off of the sad planet. But you can never go somewhere and stay long. If your job is, hey, drop this cargo off, you have maybe twenty four hours to stay there, if that long, or whatever the limit is of your permit to dock, and that's it. Then you have to leave. Almost feels like the expanse in some way. It's ways. a little expanse too. I just haven't watched a lot of the expanse yet. I don't the belters are kind of similar to the mining planet, that's for sure. Um I was gonna say that having having families that basically rule or basically run, you know, high families, that sounds very much like Dune. Yeah. So right this now. is it's mixing a lot of sci fi together and I'm trying to keep it all straight. I haven't read a lot of Dune either. I have the first five expanse books, but I haven't read all of them. Uh, but you can go through all of these kind of situations and I'm really enjoying the setup of it right now. I have all of my coworkers agreeing to play a one-off that I've written. It kind of spoofs off of like a pirate adventure. Uh, I just got rage looked at by Adrian. Uh, so, um, not inviting her. I've got to put it all together first. These are the play testers. Um, but what it, what it's designed is, is they're level five for this. So you'll start off at five. And then if you are interested in continuing on, there was a free like one to five level campaign that you can do. And that'll get them started at the academy. And so where they get their training before they become spell jammers. So then they get to decide like what their backstory is. Which race do you belong to? What generation are you? How far away are you from the uh, the family of rulers? And what is your stake in all of it? And so there's going to be a lot of um, role playing in terms of political work as well as possible space war. 
Kinds of nuts. Space genocide? Maybe a little space genocide. It, it won't necessarily be space genocide, but the way I've always framed it is like each family is trying to outdo the other one. So there's infighting within the families, which are essentially the races on the planet, and there's infighting or fighting against the ruling family. So like the elves hate the humans. Yeah, interfighting. And so there's always something that's going to happen. Do you take sides or do you just say, this is my crew, I'm not going to do anything about it? Or do you have some racial biases? So it's very much a, hey, political standoff type thing. I'm very awkward about that. I've written a few one-offs that focus on the cruelty of corporate capitalism. I have a problem. Uh, so that's the, I'm currently doing like real history. I essentially made Walmart, but they're like chemical testers and warfare, and it's real bad. Uh, I am not a good person. So neither is Walmart. True, the Walton family are, but horrible. it is a person according to the Supreme Court. Yes, so. they have rights. <laughs> so, any book recommendations yeah. or any other pitches on um, world well, generation? You you said you. You had one last time, so I was like, I was gonna. Have you finished your book yet? No, I've been working. This is not an interrogation. This that was like maybe a week ago. Uh, It was. It was not that long ago. I did not finish it. Um, I'm going on vacation. Uh, the first through ninth. Must be nice. Mm, I have to go to Denver for work first. So, uh, yeah. I it's a lot of traveling in the next two weeks, but the the book I'm currently reading is the first book of the Eververse, which is written by S. M. Sterling. I had to look at my bookshelf. Uh, it is a very interesting thing where there's there essentially the whole world loses all of its power, including like um, combustion engines. They start to fail as well. they fail as well, and it even includes uh, weaponry. So explosive black powder is also disabled. So it kind of comes out like a fart versus an actual fired gun. And so the first series is essentially the collective group of everyone like who's living in a city, which would be screwed the first because you're going back to like medieval times. Right. And what is very common in medieval times, the plague and lack of sewage. And so that's what's going to happen with the world. And so all these people are like moving into rural areas where they can do this. And essentially the people who are thriving the most are the historians who studied medieval weaponry and the LARPers. So it's a very interesting concept with the outdoorsmen. <laughs> so I'm very excited about it. I've gotten pretty far in it. I rented the audiobook. I should just buy it. I just got it from the library in Austin. And I was like, dang it. I should return this because I've had it for two months. Uh, but I listen Wait, to books. So you have the, what does that? You have the audio book and a physical copy? Yeah, because I, I read when I drive. And by reading, I mean someone screams at me uh, via an audio book because that's the only way I read anymore these days, which is shameful. I have five credits on Audible, so this is a personal choice and a problem, really. So, yeah. Any other recommendations? Shabo, do you have a book recommendation? Um, if on the subject of... I have lots of book recommendations. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Sh- should we go for space, sci-fi, or, uh, or more Ooh. like myths and legends? Hit me with a space book. Space book? Uh, the Lost Fleet, uh, written by John G. Hemery, under the pen name Jack Campbell. It's uh, The first six books are one continuous story and there's lots of uh spin-offs. I haven't read all of them yet. Uh, I read about 
half of them at least. Well, last I've I've read all of them except for a couple that are actually out right now. Um, yeah, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I've never heard. It of that one. is very realistic space combat. Ooh. Uh, mass mass armies hitting each other in the blink of an eye. Everything's automatic. No one's actually shooting manually shooting each other. All the computers are doing it, and it's tactics and and geometry to try to get the best attack angle and do the most damage without with taking the least amount of damage yourself. Mm-hmm. It's and, it sounds uh, kind of like like Ender's game taken to the extreme on the actual tactics part. So it's a it's an uh, it's it's based in an interstellar war that's been going on for like a hundred years, and the main character was in suspended animation for the last hundred years and was in the very first battle and has become a a hero, and is thrust into uh, command of this fleet that is effectively all the way on the other side of uh, these jump gates yeah, and needs to go back around the long way to the original home planet. And it takes six books to do so. I would be so pissed if I was a hero of a war and a hundred years later they're like, it's not over. Welcome back. Here's your uniform. Get to work. <laughs> right. Uh, even better is that um, he has to... They use him to... They, they've used his legend, the legend that they've built up for him, to justify doing bad War things. crimes! Yeah, that, that tracks. Violations of the Geneva uh, Convention! Yes. Uh, to, be, to be fair, you know, the other side, uh, which, if I remember correctly, is known as the Syndicate Worlds. Yes, Syndicate Worlds. They're not exactly sympathetic. Yeah, also but, some Cowboy Bebop vibes then. But they're not unsympathetic. Uh, there is part another book series which goes into uh, some of the some of the, their worlds as well. So you get both sides. It's very interesting. Um, I the first one came out in 2006, so it's been out a bit. But the first six books, four or five books, were only in paperback. Um, I don't even know if you can get them in audiobook probably now you can because the the new ones are are fairly popular nice i should i do read i have a kindle to read i just (laughs) don't very often i sit and look at my phone online yeah i got a switch a week ago and i haven't read a page since then (laughs) okay we need to talk about that but we can do that off the pod Okay. All right. Any other things? <laughs> Check us out on our social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Sweet T and D N D. D is in dog. N is in Nitra. I don't remember is, Nebraska. N is in Nebraska. Nebraska. It's very easy to forget go. about Nebraska. Sorry, Nebraska. And D is in dragons. Uh, so <laughs> don't. You think I'd be good at this by now, but... You're working real hard. I'm working, working real, real hard. hard. But check us out on there. Recommend some episodes. Recommend some books. Come and talk to us. We're lonely. <laughs> All right. Hey, everybody say goodbye. Well, we had somebody join us. Yeah, we had to get somebody Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>